Hello and welcome, everybody. It's October the 21st, 2022. I'm going to join you for a short recording this week to talk about some of the key ideas, some of the key things that we've been thinking about on the AEI premium side of the site. Looking forward to a little bit of an overview of that for you. Of course, as always, don't hesitate to reach out to me, David at AEI.ag, or ask us at AEI.ag for ideas, suggestions of topics, or ways that we can better present our ideas to you. So I'm going to screen share for those of you watching the video of this, but one of the things we want to talk a little bit about with you today is corn in Mexico. And we had a great article, I think it was six or seven slides. So you really want to check that out. But you know, if you've been following along, there's been this thread in the media for the last two years about Mexico and GM corn or GMO corn. And the idea here is that the president of Mexico announced there'd be a phase out of GM corn along with glyphosate by 2024. And as you could imagine, as soon as that announcement got made, it kicked up way more questions than insights it provided. And you kind of have to wonder, like, what are the implications for domestic production of corn in, in Mexico, corn consumed for human consumption in Mexico, corn for feed, but also imports. There's a scenario here where they ban all GM corn. So no production of GM corn, no consumption of GM corn for humans or livestock, and then no imports of GM corn. Now, we haven't seen that. That's a possibility, but we don't have clarity on that. It looks like there's this scenario here where there might be GM corn fed to livestock as a potential, uh, but not producing it domestic. So maybe there's some opportunities there for imports. So rather than speculating or weighing in on the specifics around that policy uncertainty, we wanted to step back and say, what's the deal? What's going on with corn and corn trade between the US and China, but also the domestic situation? So a couple of things I want to point out here is, number one, Mexico had held the record for the number one buyer of US corn. They buy around 25% of all of our corn exports. You don't have to go back too far in time, you know, the late mid 2000s, where Mexico bought about 15% of the U.S. corn crop. And then even the 90s is around 10%. So this has been a growing market. It's been a growing share of a growing market over time. I do have to note, I've been saying China in here. One, my brain is kind of conditioned to talk about trade in China, but the most important piece here, the number one reason why I keep stumbling on this, is that China in 2021 overtook Mexico as the number one buyer of corn. So right now, you know, about half of our corn is going to the combination of China and Mexico, two big trade partners buying a lot of our corn. But the idea here is Mexico has kind of been this long-run partner and been very big and very important. Where does China get all of its corn? Well, first of all, they buy pretty much a large the majority, the vast majority, somewhere north of 90% on a typical year comes from the US. In the early 2000s, it was basically 99 or 100%. That kind of broke from trend in the 2010s during the drought here, high corn prices they shopped elsewhere, still buying about 90% from the US. And then they kind of came back pretty faithfully to the US, I guess, between 2013 and 2016. But then over the last few years, we've been seeing, you know, 89%, 90 93%, a little bit of variation there coming from other countries. But still, the takeaway here is 90% of this big market, this growing market is coming from the U.S. How big are supplies? Well, how big are supplies? What makes up the supply in Mexico? Well, there are two sources of supply, domestic production and imports. Domestic production has been pretty darn flat in Mexico for the last eight years, going back to 2014. But imports have grown. Imports have gone from 
you know, 20 to 25% of their supply in the early 2000s to today, 40%. And this gets to the first key takeaway. One of the key stories about Mexico is the narrative 20 years ago would have been Mexico is primarily a domestically produced corn in the country. Today, they're getting up to 40%. I mean, they're going to be, not a majority of their corn is going from trade today, but a larger share, a growing share, a growing reliance on international trade to meet their corn situations. So what's going on within the consumption side? Well, two main sources of consumption. FSI, which is food, seed, and industrial uses. That's been pretty darn consistent over the last 20 years. There has been over the last 20 years, there's been some increase in the FSI category, but it's been a very small rate of change, less than 1% annually. We've had about four, nearly 5% annualized growth on the feed side of the ledger. And so feed has been a huge source of the growing share of consumption. To really step back and think about the second key story here is Mexico's corn consumption story has turned the corner and has gone from primarily a food story, FSI, in the early 2000s, to today it's more of a feed story. That has been a big shift over the last several years. And so we've seen this, thinking, and I'm going to get a little more specific, uh, FSI has definitely gone from being the largest to the smallest, or the from the majority of corn consumption to the minority of corn consumption. So going to wrap this up. I'm going to repeat the first two and I'm going to share a third step. If we have to summarize the Mexico-U.S. corn situation, first one to recognize is Mexico has gone from a primarily domestic production for their supply to now I'm at 40%. A growing share has now come from imports. If we look at the consumption side, 20 years ago, they were primarily a food consumer of corn, FSI, food, seed, and industrial uses. Now, a majority of that corn, around 60%, is going to feed. So there's been this shift from domestically produced corn going into food to a import-driven corn market going into feed or more significant import market going into the feed side. So this brings us to the third point in general. And within the data, it could vary from year to year, but across the recent years, Mexico has fed more corn than it imports. So you could start to see this scenario here where maybe GM corn is allowed to be fed. And so then that could satisfy their import situation. Now, admittedly, the U.S. doesn't import non-GM corn into Mexico. So that could create some challenges. There could be all sorts of logistics that go into how that sort of shapes out. But keeping an eye on the big picture situation the Mexico corn market is very dynamic. The global tr- corn market is very dynamic with China coming in and making purchases. But in general, we have this sort of shifting narrative over the last two decades with respect to Mexico as they move from domestic production to more reliance on imports. And they've moved from a consumption story of food more to feed. And that's going to be really important to keep an eye on. It's probably, if we start to dig into the layers, some of the motivation behind why they're pursuing this new legislation. Going to shift gears just a little bit. I want to highlight some work that Jeff Young did for us. Of course, Jeff looks at our yields. He's our yield guy and our yield guru. And one of the things that he's really helped us out with is really understanding what's going on in the yield story. And so he updated that USDA model, the Westcott Jewison model, and he looked at it for soybeans. And I'm going to get Jeff on here in a couple of weeks to talk about this with us. But you know, he stepped back and said, what's been going on in the soybean crop? 
And he did this earlier for the corn crop. We talked about that. But one of the key takeaways here is that we have seen another scenario here where the June precipitation shortfall really created a majority of the ding in soybean yields. So right now, soybean yields are running below trend line with USDA projection. There's not a lot of folks out there really telling us what drove that. So this Westcott Jewison model isn't perfect at predicting yields, but if we run that model, we can start to understand where did the pain come from? Where did the hit come from? And so what Jeff found this time, which is very similar to what we saw for corn, is that a majority of the yield hit has come from the June precip shortfall. So for soybeans, there's a June precip for shortfall. There's the average summer temperature and there's the average summer rainfall. Those are the three main variables they have in that equation. They don't have a planting progress like corn does. And they move, corn has sort of a June and July estimate where as soybeans combines July and August into summer. So there's some differences there. But the key takeaway here, and we're going to talk about this with Jeff again, I don't think this can be emphasized enough, is that the yield situation, the yield story is predominantly driven by the June rainfall situation. Again, I don't think many folks are talking about this. Not a lot of people are sharing this. It's going to vary by region, but across the country, the biggest story that we had coming that impacting the yields was that June precip shortfall. And Jeff's going to do some more work to help explain how rare that is as a pretty rare phenomenon. We just don't see a lot of times in history that June rainfall triggering that event. It's generally something we see later in the summer. So if you think about June rainfall, it's a pretty high hurdle for us to hit that. We don't hit that very many times in history, but when we do hit it, it has a big impact. And that's what we saw here this year. So that's sort of the overview of what I want to talk with you all today. going to wrap this video up here. Keep it pretty short. As always, I want to invite you to reach out if you have any ideas or suggestions. In the meantime, update your forecast on the yield contest, but also the other AEI premium questions in the Ag Forecast Network. Again, David Widmar, thanks so much for joining us. Until next week, stay curious. Mm -hmm.